Fans of our on-demand show, we now have a brand new daily podcast. We're calling it Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. Yeah, it's where we just talk about something else that didn't fit into the show. And sometimes we use naughty language. Yes! Not often, though, because it's naughty. Finally! Find it right now via the iHeart app. Just search for Armstrong and Getty, One More Thing. My chance to work blue. Advisor Roger Stone arrested at his home by the FBI this morning. We're still digging into that, as is everybody else, trying to figure out the significance of it. We'll have more coming up later with guests and etc. etc. Plus, entire family booted off airline flight for stinking. And Joe families? Montana drops back and passes marijuana. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> right now, though, and, I, you know, just speaking for Jack and myself, we look forward to this all week. Checking in with Emily Saul of the New York Post for the latest on the El Chapo trial, which, if it were not the era of Trump, where everybody's hair is on fire and screaming at each other and the kids on a mall and old Indians and the rest of it. If, <laughs> if we weren't living through this, everybody would be talking about the El Chapo trial. Yeah, yeah. Emily joins us now. Hey, Emily, how are you? Good morning. I'm well. Thank you. Uh, thank you for spending a little time with us again. Uh, so tell us what's unfolded in the last few days at the El Chapo trial. Uh, it's been a, it's been a very dramatic last couple of days. Um, we've had family drama. We've heard uh, about Emma's involvement. Um, those were completely new details uh, that we'd never gotten before. And that, is that uh, the wife? Yes, his okay. uh, his wife Emma Cornell, um, who uh, we now have been told uh, aided in his infamous 2015 prison escape, the one with the tunnel and the motorcycle. Well, in fairness um, to her, if I went to my wife and said, "Judy, can you help me with an infamous prison escape?" and she said no, that would affect our marital bonds. It, very, very likely. I mean, I'm sure she had a number of things to consider. <laughs> tunnel um, and a motorcycle. Was he riding the motorcycle in the tunnel, or did he run through the tunnel and get on a motorcycle? No, uh, so the motorcycle was in was in the tunnel. Wow, um, it that's was a like, good tunnel. It was likely a it was likely a byproduct of the building of the tunnel because it looked a little bit more like a trolley cart that could right. be used to uh, remove dirt. But after he rode that motorcycle, he jumped on the back of an ATV and was taken to a warehouse where um, he was then transferred to an airplane. Where he jumped on a horse followed by a, a tractor. <laughs> um, and then yeah, yesterday we had um, definitely the most graphic uh, testimony yet. So it's been a it's it's been an interesting uh, it's been an interesting couple of days. Yesterday jurors heard about uh, three murders that Mr. Guzman himself is alleged to have carried with his, out. With his own hands? Uh, I mean, with a gun, but... Um, no, but be, yeah, him, him personally, though, he didn't yes, order them. Yes, okay. him, him personally, not those that he ordered. And I, I will warn you, those uh, are probably... Not, the details of those are it's very graphic, probably not suitable for many of your viewers. It was wow. uh, yeah. brutal to the point where I've, I've seen a lot in court over the years, and it was, um, it was astounding. Uh, wow! Even oh. by even by court reporter standards, they were gruesome. Okay. Yes. Uh, so th- this trial's been going on for how long now? Uh, we just wrapped up our tenth week. Um, tenth week. So wh- what I've been following from your reporting um, is is how he. I knew he'd bought off you know mayors, city councilmen, mm-hmm. police force, but then then you go up to the governors and clear up to the president. He had such a network of people helping him, and was it? 
well, I guess it was the old silver or lead. Some of them he paid off, and some of them were just scared of him. Yes, I mean, most definitely. You know, he had a number, and it wasn't, and it wasn't just him. It was because of the, the vast nature of his network and the number of people he had across the country who had access to a number of different uh, public officials and offices, you know, be they uh, any of the uh, variety, like they have a number of different tiers of, of police in Mexico, um, or, you know, like the their equivalent of the attorney's general's office. They just had people, there were so many connections across the state. Wow. And they got to people so early that you would have people early on in their political careers who, who were taking bribes, perhaps by force because they were afraid not to and as they ascended in their careers they're sort of once you start taking bribes you don't you can't stop you can't just say suddenly i'm no longer going to help you right Um, you went too far i'm out it doesn't work that way yeah no you don't you don't leave the cartel and in mexico it's worth pointing out for those who are not familiar with it for a lower level official to be approached and either take a few bucks or a few bullets is not way out of the the norm I mean, that's not that extraordinary development, and you point out then that person's reasonably successful before you know that they're the governor. Yeah, that's that's troubling. I hadn't really thought about it and that way. What I don't understand, Emily, and I, this is really interesting to me, at what point do you become a narco state? Um, uh, because it would grow over time, and there's a tipping point to where even if you were you wanted to be a good law-abiding citizen, you might think, boy, I'll bet everybody in this courthouse works for El Chapo. I can't speak my mind right. here i have no allies here. yeah right no definitely i mean it's a very it's, it's a very complicated landscape um you know i'm not i'm not an expert certainly and um and you know the, the the system in mexico but i think it's it's just you know generally if you if you feel like your public officials are corrupt uh which i i mean speaking with uh mexican reporters who are here covering the case um, and especially if you have someone who's as mythological as, as Chapo is, you know, he's a, he's a benefactor in certain areas because he would provide certain assistance to uh, towns that felt neglected by, um, by their government officials. But sort of you end up with this, uh, this interesting dichotomy of who, you know, who will take care of you, who do you trust. The classic, uh, you know, the classic the that people have been doing it all over the world. You see, ISIS does that. In some towns, you go in and you know you restore, restore law and order and pick up the garbage and uh, and keep the electricity on and uh, they're and the population's on your side. Sure, no, the, definitely. Uh, it's social. You know, if you have uh, if you have social services that are missing and you have a essentially an organization like the cartel is that comes in and provides structure, it's a it's a very easy way to um, to bring people in. The Italian mob, New York, New Jersey. You know, early 20th century. Uh, Emily Saul is the New York Post reporter covering the El Chapo trial. Have you gotten any sense from some of the cross-examination, Emily, during, say, the, the details of the gruesome, you know, tortures and murders and that sort of thing? Uh, how has the defense dealt with that? Well, so far, the uh, violence of the trial has been very, very sanitized. Um, we sort of got the sense that the judge told the prosecutors they got one chance to really relay all of the details, and they, they used that chance yesterday. Mm-hmm. So uh, we haven't started cross on okay. this witness yet, so we don't know how they will deal with that specifically. Um, so far, the defense uh, with witnesses who have said, you know, well, Chapo commissioned this murder, Chapo commissioned that murder, their basic strategy has been to just attack the general credibility of the cooperator who, you know, is a member of the cartel, has often been in viol- like involved in violence themselves or at least in other uh, criminal activity, um, you know, maybe had a drug problem, maybe has nefarious reasons for, uh, you know, 
just you know lambasting Chapo. It's you know they have they've, they've gone a whole. It's typically just been a credibility issue. Um, right. All right. Well, you're not going to find many angels who know what was going on. I don't remember if we've talked about this. How are they protecting the jury? Is the jury um, uh, are they kept anonymous? Because he only has to get to one juror. Yes. So um, the jury is, uh, is is very, very protected. Uh, the jury selection process was 100 percent anonymous. Only jury services here in the courthouse um, is aware of the juror's actual identities. Um, the uh, the judge uh, himself, the um, the prosecutors, the defense attorneys uh, only know them by a number. Um, they are uh, they are picked up every day from private uh, locations by the U.S. Marshal Service and transported uh, in that um, from you know to and from those locations. But there are a lot of precautions that have been taken surrounding the jury. I mean, they are in the room; they're in full view of Mr. Guzman, of the public, and whoever may make it into the courtroom. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. But yeah, the, de- the details of their uh, of, of their of their lives have been have been kept. Emily uh, Saul of the New York Post. Emily, fabulous job as always. Again, we appreciate the time, and uh, and we look forward to talking again. All right, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, and of course, we'll have links to uh, Emily's and her uh, colleagues reporting on this story, so you can find it quickly at thenewyorkpost.com. We we say this all the time. We so, and a lot of people really do, take our culture of of honesty and law and order for granted. It's that so most much. people are law-abiding and respectful of the law. Yeah, yeah. it's got to be frustrating to uh, El Chapo that here he's at the courthouse. And what, you're telling me there's not somebody that's going to leak me the names? Because that's the way it works in Mexico. Sure. There's always somebody who will leak me the names. Yeah. Yeah. You might have the judge and prosecutor in Mexico. Yeah. Civilization is a miracle. But once people get used to it, they they, they take it, it for granted. Sure. They think it's the permanent state of things. And and that it's inevitable that we are reasonably civilized and reasonably safe in our homes. Um, it's not true. All you have to do is open your eyeballs and look around the world. Do you want me to name 37 countries? where people aren't safe in their homes, aren't safe, you know, speaking out politically, aren't safe from drug lords and gang lords and, and, and terrorist organizations. I could name you 37. It'd take a while because I'd probably get bogged down midway through Africa. But but people take that for granted. Well, it's nat- just the nature of humanity. Yeah, the natural state of man is nasty, violent, brutish, and short. Yeah. This is Not an un- short in stature, but short in lifespan. This is an unnatural thing we have going on right now where you can... Uh, you know, live your life and never get extorted or strong-armed, most of us. Right. right. By anybody. Right. It's a completely unnatural state. It's practically a miracle. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't want to get into the gory details, but let it uh, suffice to say that uh, Chapo uh, was really cruel. And uh, if you went against him, things would end badly. And part of it was so word would get out what he did. Exactly. So people would do what he asked. Yep. Um, Roger Stone, Trump campaign advisor, arrested this morning at his home. What does that mean? I got a little tip for you that might slow down the the fever. If you got it, do you have the fever? Maybe you don't have the fever? Not really. You don't have the fever. I've had it so long, I I feel normal. (laughs) You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. This is the first indictment where it becomes clear that the special counsel believes that the Trump campaign knew about the hacks before this material was made public. Okay, that's Dan Abrams of uh, Good Morning America trying to explain why this is a big deal today. That Roger Stone, who was a uh, campaign advisor, was arrested and what he's being charged with. So is knowing about the hacks... So what's the crime there? Then that gets into the whole collusion thing, which is not a crime, but politically would look bad in theory. Right. Well, again, the term collusion is so slippery. I mean, some people just throw it around because it it sounds scary. You know, if there was some sort of conspiracy to break the law, then you could call that collusion. That's a crime. But, you know, if you just watch the media and try to gather what's going on, you'll be completely misled. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Honestly, I have a feeling that except for the lying, which, you know, I can't adequately explain why no. Roger Stone wouldn't no. just say, holy crap, it's the feds. Yeah, I called WikiLeaks. I heard they had dirt. It's what I do. Have you ever heard of me? Why he didn't go with that, I don't know, because I don't understand his world. Um, But other than the lying, it, it seems to me just nasty, bare-knuckled campaign stuff. Uh, at this point. So, I will tell you this. And with with, with uh, the smell of, of vodka and borscht in the air. If WikiLeaks <laughs> was in bed with uh, Putin's guys. Which is politically probably damaging, but not illegal. Um, as I understand it. As I try to figure out how big a deal this is, you can't... Well, it's hard to tell from cable news channels, because they go crazy with everything all the time. But, uh, good morning, America... They did it for about four minutes and then moved on to shutdown talk and a shooting overnight and right and just to give you an idea of how how big a deal they thought it was right they didn't spend a half hour on it or something yeah and listen I don't want to be guilty of what aboutism because that's you know technique what about Bill Clinton um but if indeed. Somebody in the Trump administration called Roger Stone as is alleged in the uh, indictment said, hey, call WikiLeaks and see what they got and when they're going to release it. And Stone did that. How does that compare in your mind to the Justice Department in Congress telling Hillary Clinton and her people preserve all emails? And she deleted 30,000 of them and said, I preserve the ones you need to see. Don't worry about it. Don't ask any more questions. How do those two things compare to you if you're going to get your panties in a wad? Uh, mm. Wait, it's going to be, you know, just one quick thought. I think as a humanity, we don't know how to deal with e stuff yet, because those are both email things, and we're still trying to figure out what the laws ought to be mm. with emails. Um, if there aren't any obvious crimes other than the, uh, like, if you lie to Congress, you lie to FBI, that's a crime, crime, right? But that's Trump's people, not him. Right. So uh, if it ends up being doing stuff that, I don't know, high crime, misdemeanor, I don't know. I mean, if it's all political questions mm-hmm. and the Congress has to decide whether or not they want to impeach and then it's argued about on the campaign trail, that's oh, going to be, you know, it's all gray area stuff, which is certainly it could end up being. 
I'm thinking Pro- probably it the be. most likely. If I'm working in the Trump White House, I'm in the White House Counsel's office, having padded my resume rather liberally. The only thing I'm concerned about is there are allegations now that Stone was intimidating other witnesses, perhaps at the behest of the White House, and that Trump was trying to influence Stone as a witness by tweeting a while back that Roger Stone isn't going to turn on me. I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. Hinting like, he's not like Cohen. He's not going to turn on me like a rat because he's a good friend and and all. And there are people on the left, anti-Trumpists, are saying that was an attempt to tell Roger Stone, keep your mouth shut, be cool, I'll pardon you. Well, Roger, And Stone, that would be witness tampering. Roger Stone has said out loud, I would never testify against Donald Trump. Right. Right. So he, well, there are those trying to portray that as signaling back and forth. That is, you know, I was talking about to, nobody knows what to do with e-stuff, really, these days. Um, witness tampering through social media. If I tweet, you know, we're finally under indictment for whatever. <laughs> we're I tell finally you what, under indictment. <laughs> that's it. That's, it's a long overdue. Um, I, I tweet, boy, that Jack Armstrong. He's as steady as, as, as the sunrise. Tell you what, he'd never turn on a friend, that Jack. I tell you what, and he's going to live a long, happy life because he knows what loyalty is. Have I witness tampered? What if you throw in like Trump may have done with Cohen? And I know a lot about his history, so... Anyway, (laughs) that will be groundbreaking jurisprudence on what is witness tampering. Yeah, good one. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? White House on the stone arrest, nothing to see here. Failed bills prompting some serious talks about the shutdown finally and where the smart money is going these days. Coming up. Who framed Roger Stone? Where did you come up with that, Hanson? <laughs> That's hilarious. Funny. Uh, Marshall's news and breaking news throughout today. We'll have it all. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Room, Sean pays on the little vending machine thing by waving his phone at it. What? You uh, can't do that. I, as an old man, pull out my credit card and swipe it, but he just waves his phone at it. Like I stood there of... writing a check and trying to get the machine to take it. <laughs> like he's some sort of wizard. <laughs> That's awesome. I gotta learn how to do that. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. All right, we are getting word right now. There are significant delays popping up at airports in New York, New Jersey, and Philadelphia due to the partial government shutdown. I hope this is real. I I mean, I hope it's not people creating a crisis. Right. For political reasons, media reasons, because that's happened multiple times in the past. If you're a long-time listener to the show, we've pointed that out when it does. On the other hand, I could see it being real. They've got a limited ground stop at uh, New York's LaGuardia right now over staffing issues. Just not enough people showing up. We'll keep on top of this one. Meanwhile, White House Press Secretary uh, Sanders has the uh, has, says the arrest of former Donald Trump campaign advisor Roger Stone in the special counsel Russia probe. This has nothing to do with the president, has nothing to do with the White House. Her comments coming hours after Stone was arrested during a pre-dawn raid at his Fort Lauderdale, Florida home. He's been charged. In a seven-count indictment that includes witness tampering and other charges. Now, Sanders was asked this morning if the president encouraged any of Stone's alleged illegal activity. That is probably one of the more ridiculous and insulting questions to accuse the president of the United States of asking someone to break the law. Um, That is 
frankly, it's just insulting. It's just not true. I think, okay. I think one of the advantages of hiring crooks to work for you is you can just assume they're going to do what they're supposed to do. You don't have to tell them. Uh, a note from, and I'm reading all the coverage I can find because I want to give everybody, all y'alls, um, a good, thorough account of what this is and what it means and what it doesn't mean and because you're going to hear wildly spun versions of it. I went to farleftoutletvox.com, which briefly describes the charges, then says... The indictment does not, however, attempt to explain why Stone would lie about this or lay out a definitive story about what did happen between Stone and WikiLeaks back then. Stone also has not been charged with any criminal activity occurring during the campaign. That's an important statement right there at the end. Right. So, And that's the thing that um, Alan Dershowitz is ta- always talking about. All these crimes have happened post-investigation. They're, because the investigation exists. Right. Yeah. Now, why people lie, or, no, that's or, a, that's a, or if indeed they are lying because you can get busted for lying to the feds because you made a mistake, or your memory failed you, or whatever. I'm not saying that happened in this case, yeah, but well, it does happen. His, his uh, Stone's lawyer is out today saying that he forgot. He forgot he talked to WikiLeaks. It'd be one of the biggest stories in the entire world right. if you got WikiLeaks information. On uh, on the opponent you're running for president of the United States for. It would be, but you'd think right. you'd remember it. Yeah, but, well, you, but you live a boring life compared to Roger Stone. <laughs> uh, also, at the risk of spending all of our time on this, it is so eminently picturable that various people in the Trump campaign got word that WikiLeaks had dirt on Hillary, probably because WikiLeaks was trying to get word to the Trump campaign that they had dirt on Hillary, yeah. including through the funky, funky lawyer, who allegedly met with Don Jr. and and, and and people in the Trump Tower turned out to be a big nothing, they said. Anyway, um, so the Trump campaign gets word of this, and they contact Roger Stone, who's a longtime friend, mm-hmm. been out of the campaign for like a year. Right. Um, but they say, hey, call WikiLeaks and see if there's anything to this. And Stone calls WikiLeaks, and they say, oh, yeah, we got all sorts of stuff. And he calls back and says, yeah, they got all sorts of stuff. Now, there's nothing illegal about that. As Vox, of all people, points out, it's not clear why he would lie about that. Right. Um, unless, like Cohen, he just lies to stay in practice. Um, <laughs> and, and it didn't happen. You know, there are no criminal activities during the campaign. So the significance of all this is it's very difficult to read. Unless, and this happens, and this, if you're a Trump fan, this is really, I think, the only thing you have to worry about. People worried... Maybe, unjustifiably, that something illegal had happened, right. and so we better just clam up and, and say it didn't. And they lied when they didn't have to lie. That could be. That uh, I, I don't know. That pre-dawn raid on Stone's house, by the way, was uh, carried out right in front of CNN cameras. Our CNN cameras were there exclusively when FBI agents, you can see them in riot gear, approached Stone's house before sunrise at around 6 this morning. Somebody tipped off CNN to an FBI raid. That ain't cool. I have a number that of... That is not cool. I have a number of friends who are present and former uh, FBI agents or employees. Um, and, and absolutely great people. Uh, first of all, don't tip off the media. You're better than that. And if you're going to tip off the media... CNN? Really? 
Ugh. Well, somebody from the FBI leaked that story to the New York Times about the investigation a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That Trump was under investigation back when. Yeah. Could um, well be, you know, an employee with an axe to grind, not an agent at all. I would they, am- the FBI, as we've been talking about, has a hell of a lot of employees that aren't special agents. I would guess that local law enforcement was involved. It had to be alerted, right? Uh, right. So that the Good neighbors, so that the neighbors right. aren't calling and saying, oh my God, there's 20 armed men running into my neighbor's house. Uh, so you have to tip off the local, and somebody there could have called CNN. So you think some deputy called up CNN and said, listen, if you can get me Wolf Blitzer's autograph, I'll... Uh, I'll give you a big scoop. Well, we know anti-Trump FBI agents have been, or people in the FBI have been leaking various things. I haven't heard that story, Mr. Strzok, Ms. Page. Watch tonight on the FBI press conference. It'll be, for more details, watch CNN tonight (laughs) from 8 Eastern to... Nice. On an entirely promotion, I like it. On an entirely different note, former 49ers quarterback Joe Montana is part of a $75 million investment in the legal marijuana (laughs) industry. Joe... Joe Montana and the evil weed. Yes. Joe not cool. Yes. That's what I'll call him. Stony Joe, huh? He is investing, he says, in an industry he believes can provide relief to many people and impact opioid use or addiction. He's uh, investing in a San Jose, California-based company called Caliva, I believe it is, which uh, owns a farm, a retail store, distribution center, and delivery service. You know, I don't think uh, Joe Montana was probably uh, smoking the hippie cabbage while he played in the NFL, but uh, he did have that look about him of, hey, dudes, it's cool. <laughs> and, and he was uh, that's one of the reasons he was so incredibly sure, successful. Things will be yeah. fine. Yeah. yeah, hey, guys, we play football all the time. Yeah, it's the last 30 seconds. So I'll throw you the ball. <laughs> so I saw the, the commercial that CBS denied to run during the Super Bowl about the, the medical marijuana oh, yeah. commercial. Yeah. And it's I don't know, I'll be interested to see how the 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 reaction to this comes out because it is a very thoughtful, heartwarming commercial featuring a, a kid with seizures, I believe a cancer survivor and a veteran who lost a limb, all using it to help their lives better and make it improve. So it, yeah, it, you're it, talking about a schedule A narcotic there, you junkie. <laughs> No, that is interesting. Yeah, so yeah. The, that that's out there. Maybe yeah. I'll find that video. I'll post and, it on and the And something tells the me they'll get many, many views, and, and yeah. it'll turn out sure. okay. Yeah. Now i got to go home and burn my Joe Montana jersey. You know, it, it could be, and then smoke it. Um, <laughs> it, it could be that the, the dope people knew their ad would get rejected, mm-hmm. and that was yeah. their strategy from, from <sighs> go. So many, everybody's playing three-dimensional chess in the modern world. I can I can hardly remember the rules of checkers. There you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm starting a Getty show, The Conscience of the Nation. You know, I've been playing chess with my kids uh, lately. We're on a chess kick right now. Nice. And uh, my son the other day accused me of cheating, which I oh, I wasn't. Yikes! I guarantee I wasn't. I said, uh, one, I don't cheat, and two, I said you won't understand this till you're a parent. But nothing would make me happier than you beating me at chess, mm. which they don't get. Right. But that would make I'd be thrilled if they beat me at chess. Right. It would be fantastic. Yeah. Are you a uh, let them win occasionally guy or make them earn it? I was in the early days, but now I'm, we're definitely, we've played enough. We're definitely to the, you know, I want them to learn how to play chess. Wow. And uh, nice. I am going to, just because sometimes the games end too quickly, like play, I've, I've I read about this, that a good way to do it is like, I'll start without my queen or something like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. But like it's, 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 it's interesting to watch them. 
start to to learn to think steps ahead. I don't know that this translates to any benefit in life or not. I don't know. It seems like it should because you have to think ahead, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe the only benefit is it makes you a better chess player. Right. They oh. know about the castling yet where you get to, to move yet. the rook no, I, in the game. I haven't brought castling. That's oh. a good move. <laughs> All I know is you're teaching your kids to love monarchy. The kings, the queens, the bishop with yes. its theocracy. Uh, I don't approve. I taught my kids to love liberty, Jack. Mm. Um, so we'll keep you updated throughout the morning. So Roger Stone is going to show up in a courtroom yep. at some point, and we could have that if there's anything live to go to. People like a perp walk, don't they? Is there going to be some of that? Probably, yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Shouting yeah. things at him, handcuffs, the whole thing. Yeah, we probably ought to reset the whole Ted Cruz analysis of Roger Stone. You know what? It's so it's, ridiculously hilarious. It's a good excuse. You're listening to <laughs> the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Ticket prices for uh, seats at the Super Bowl are reportedly down because they say in part because Rams fans don't want to go all the way to Atlanta to see the game, which makes sense. In L.A., it's hard to get anyone to drive 20 minutes to meet you for dinner. But the other reason tickets aren't selling for as much is because most of us who live here in L.A. have never met a Rams fan. That's interesting. Yeah, no kidding. I didn't laugh. That's too bad because that could have been one of my eight times today that I would laugh. The average American laughs eight times a day, according to this study. Wow. I'm pretty sure I laugh more than that. Yeah, me too. Maybe it's my job. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That's part of it. God, you're not laughing enough if you only laugh eight times a day. You need fun of your friends or quit being so serious or follow me on Twitter or something. If, <laughs> yeah. if I'm in the lunchroom and I'm around the water cooler engaging in water cooler talk and we're having a funny conversation, I chuckle repeatedly. Does that count as one laugh? Or like is each individual <laughs> Why do, All that. Why do you got to nitpick everything? I just, uh, it's science. <laughs> science. I'm just thinking, yeah, I, I would like to think I laugh more than eight times a day. Laughter is, you know, uh, in my opinion, uh, a superior medicine and um, perhaps even the best. Um, I got more on this in a second. But um, so uh, a Trump campaign official, Roger Stone, indicted. To de- well, he was indicted yesterday. He was arrested <clears throat> this morning. Mm-hmm. He's going to show up in a courtroom uh, at some point. And uh, so we're trying to figure this all out, and we, we, we're doing that throughout the show. Right. Without the fever of partisan cable news. Yeah. Um, new study conducted by... Uh, okay. <laughs> That's two. Go on. Sorry. <laughs> Keeping track. I just read for the first time. I should have done this ahead of time. Who's behind the study? Oh, no. And then it ruins it. Oh, no. No, no it doesn't. Most, I, well, I, I wish I hadn't read it. Most studies are ruined by who, who paid for them. Right. Oh, boy. You want to move on to other things? You want to hear any any study you hear over the next couple of weeks leading up to uh, Valentine's Day? Oh, boy. About dating or romance. It's either going to be a candy company or a card company or a hotel company or something. Like that. <clears throat> the dating right. site. I know, like, uh, Match.com. Yeah, yeah there's dating a lot of those sites. Things, yeah. yeah, very popular. This is by Snow Teeth Whitening did this study. Oh, boy. 
Young adults are more are, are uneasy when they laugh. 62% of people ages 25 to 44 cover their mouths when they laugh because they're embarrassed by their teeth. 62%? Says, says snow teeth whitening. Well, that, I'm not laughing, damn it, I'm not laughing! That's that. <laughs> and damn it, don't you laugh! <laughs> that study came out the south end of a north-going bull. Right. Two-thirds of young people are embarrassed when they laugh. Covered, So you need snow teeth whitening. All right. All right. Yeah, it's fun Thanks for lesson. that. Thanks for nothing. Thanks for Thanks that. Thanks for five minutes of my life. I'll never get back. No more laughing today. I'm too mad. <laughs> the other... <laughs> You're going to nurse that anger till bedtime? <laughs> yeah, clear no bedtime. Attaboy. Just <laughs> sip on it a little bit at a time. <laughs> well, as predicted uh, the other day, uh, a couple of days ago on the Armstrong and Getty Show, because we're very good, we, 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 we sniff at the wind like a dog or a wolf. And uh, and I could t- feel the change in the air. It's like that first breath of spring when you live in a wintry climate. I could tell that the government shutdown is getting close to ending. I don't think the predictions of it going on for another three weeks or a month are correct. I think it's going to end much sooner. You had John Kelly, who was White House Chief of Staff, but he was uh, Home- Homeland Security Chief before that. He joined with a number of other former um, Homeland Security folks including uh, George W. alums Tom Ridge and Michael Chertoff and Obama alums Janet Napolitano and Jeff Johnson uh, as all Homeland Security chiefs and said, hey, end the shutdown. It's hurting national security. End it! Which was notable. Yeah. Really notable. Now, Janet Napolitano, if she showed up with a check for $100,000, I'd throw her out of my house and tell her to keep the check. uh, She is a liar and a crook, and a hack, and a and a taker of bribes when she was running uh, the University of California system, in my opinion. The system worked. Yeah, the, if the system worked, you'd be behind bars. Um, but, you know, the fact that all four of those folks, or all, I'm sorry, all five of both parties said the same thing is notable. That's interesting. Yeah. And you got to claim that uh, LaGuardia is being delayed or shut down or whatever because air traffic control problems. And, and LaGuardia is a nightmare. Um, air traffic wise, but yeah, I get it. I get it. You got a lot of these uh, employees who are blue collar folks, and they're being told, "Yeah, you got to go to work now for the fifth week. You get paid eventually, but you got no money coming in. And yeah, you got to buy gas, and and you got to take out a loan to buy gas to get to the job you're not getting paid for. Uh, you know, you can call. Well, they're essential person. They oh, they have a duty. Blah blah blah. But you know, these are human beings we're talking about. And they might have thought, you know, I've got to do it. I have a job. I'll get paid eventually for the first three or four weeks. But after a while, you know, you're a human being. You're starting to think, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to the gas pump and watching, you know, it depends where you live, but $60, $70 a peer uh, that I don't have uh, to fill my tank. I'm not doing it anymore. So there are stats out. This is not surprising. Risky phone uses, sword killing more Americans, uh, texting stuff, driving. I don't know this, but this just popped into my head. Uh, we were, I was especially, I was uh, a fanatic about how stupid the you can't talk on your cell phone when you're driving laws were. Mm-hmm. No studies show that's more dangerous right. than hands-free. This is what they've done. Instead of me talking on my cell phone, which is fine, they've forced me, if I'm going to communicate while I drive, to sneak texts. Right. Or even voice Which text or whatever. is definitely yeah. more dangerous. That I know is dangerous, without a doubt. Everybody agrees. Right. So they, by, it hints to that here. It doesn't state it. 
but that since they since they outlawed talking on your cell phone in so many places, people are texting and manipulating their phones more. Right. What a beautiful example of unintended consequences. No kidding. You outlawed open communication. Therefore, people will not communicate anymore, said the great, brave bureaucrats who think they can run our society. No, people will, if they can't communicate openly, they'll communicate clandestinely. Duh. Yeah, that's too bad. It is too bad. You know, I don't think talking on your cell phone while you drive is a great idea, um, but it's certainly better to have everything out in the open, and you're not trying to conceal anything, you're not doing multiple touches, you just... You know, I hit, I got right on my dashboard, you know, Judy, there, she's on the line, Um, as opposed to, you know, you shouldn't, of course you shouldn't do it at all. No, no, you shouldn't. On the other hand, you know, if God forbid somebody you love is hurt or killed, saying, well, they shouldn't have been doing it at all. You know what it is? It's just denying reality. It's also the um, bad laws we can all laws. Yeah. The self, not tucking on your cell phone is a stupid law. And because I th- I know that's a stupid law that was passed for stupid reasons, the effectiveness of you're not supposed to text and drive has less effect on me. Mm. Because I know there are stupid laws out there. Yeah. Even though I agree with the texting one, that should be against the law. I don't do the texting one out of personal safety, honestly. Oh, yeah, um, you shouldn't. But... I shouldn't. Nobody should. Right, right. You, just to illustrate the point, you can talk hands-free on your cell phone while holding a cup of coffee or a banana or 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 anything else which people do all the time holding a cup of coffee that's a very common thing to do driving in the morning right exactly um but you can't talk on the cell phone while holding the cell phone which is stupid it's and there are dumb. no and there are no studies that show it's dangerous is the other thing anyway 800 people they think died last year from uh, drivers using their phones. I gotta believe it's higher than that. Just just to clarify, there are no studies showing that it's more dangerous to talk holding a cell phone right. as opposed to right. hands-free. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Anyway. Don't text and drive. That's a, that's a message to me. I'm and telling you. you, if we pass about thirty or 40,000 more laws, we'll have our utopia. Then everybody will know precisely what to do all day long. And everybody will follow them and everybody will be happy. Right. You are listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show.